catch a rise. This is the beautiful game described by two ugly gentlemen. Glory to Columbus. Who are probably sitting at a soccer bar near you. McBride's in the box. A hard cross. McBride scores. It's 3-0 United States. Welcome to Bone and Bean United. Happy Soccer Podcast Day. What is up? I am Bone. And I am Beam. And we are united once again. We're back after uh, we had one week where we were back, I think, and then we had another vacation on my end. This is actually, just in case you're wondering, Bone was eaten by a bear Mm -hmm. in the Smoky Mountains. That's right. The last time that we talked, we were talking about AI technology and about how we were all doomed. This is digital AI technology, T-Bone, talking to you this week. Yes, this is a... Chat GPT bone. That's what this is. That's right. We're here. Uh, and and don't ignore us because we're going to take over. Uh, we've got plenty to get to today. And for everybody who is listening on the radio and has no clue what we're talking about, <laughs> you got to listen to the podcast. Got to listen to the podcast. That's right. Find it wherever you get your podcasts. Apple, Google Podcasts, Spotify. We're there. And of course, on the 971 The Fan app. Uh, so we're going to talk a lot about the crew today, obviously, we're going to get into some news about Lionel Messi coming to Major League Soccer. Stupid. Stupid. The way they want to do it is very stupid. We'll get into that. Uh, also, the Premier League race to the top. Arsenal been in the driver's seat, but watch out. Don't look in your rear view. Yeah, Arsenal fans are getting, uh, what's the uh, Alex Ferguson thing you always spoke about, Sir Alex? Oh, squeaky bum time. Yeah, it's getting that way for them mm-hmm. down the stretch here. And uh, I have a wild stat to share with you about a... Uh, Premier League player. We'll get into all that when we get through the show today. But Beamer, let's get right into it. Uh, The Columbus crew, good. Yes. I'm going to go ahead and a few weeks ago, we talked about this team and I was like, you need to see it more. Got to, got to, I don't know if this is all for real yet, but it's cool. I'm going to go out and say they're not going to beat every team six to one or four to nothing, but they will. No, but they, they have been phenomenal in the early part of this season and you see a very big difference since uh Wilfried Nancy took over for this team you sure do it seems almost like an apparition or a mirage going back to the Philly game to open up the year doesn't it it's like what in the world was that um I know you were still getting your feet under you and you were coming off of preseason training and everything it's like well I'm pretty sure if you just roadmap the rest of the year like that is going to be a blip on the radar that little guy don't worry about that little guy uh because the way that they've been playing over the course of the last few weeks to a month has been I mean, shocking. Like in a good way. We now we did think that this could happen. I was under the pretenses that it was going to happen in June, July at some point. Like, okay, now we're going to kick this thing into high gear. It's summertime, race for the playoffs, all good. This is like worlds earlier than yeah. what I thought it would be. Yeah. It is really uh I don't know, man. It's it's just uh it's a crazy thing that this team has already kicked it into gear and they're doing it with a lot of the crew two players. Or guys who spent some time with Crew 2, certainly. They're doing it with young players. They are doing it without Cucho Hernandez, which I find to be one of the more startling developments of this early crew season. Is he is the that, problem? See, there's a there's a thing <laughs> that longtime sports internet blog readers will know about uh, with Bill Simmons. He used to have, way back in the day when he was writing for Page 2 on ESPN, uh, he, and I'm not a big Bill Simmons guy, but he had a thing called the Ewing theory that he used to put out there, okay. which was that like the Knicks, it was not a, this was not a theory. The Knicks had a better record one year, like when he got injured or like they made their way through the playoffs or something with him being injured. And so the, the theory that a friend of his came up with was that Knicks are better without Patrick Ewing and they should just get rid of him, which seemed absurd because Patrick Ewing was their best player. 
but yet somehow they were playing better when he wasn't on mm-hmm. the, cl- the court. And so then that became the theory for like, you know, when uh, Drew Bledsoe, you know, got injured with, I want to say it was just Tony Romo took over him, right? With the Cowboys. That was one of the times where the Ewing theory came of back course, up. Like the Patriots. Well, yeah. Or yeah. Well, yeah, that was with the Patriots too. He had that right. Two different places, right? Where he got injured and then the next guy came up and was arguably much better than him. Mm-hmm. So in either case, the point being, I'm not, I'm not there with the Cucho Hernandez no, absence. Either. I am, I'm going to hold out hope and believe that when he gets added back into the roster, they will then become even stronger with him. And then this team now learning how to play in the system, he'll adapt to that. And then it will be just a monster. You can't stop, but it's early on. MLS season is very long and a big grind, but it is nice to see some of the young guys, some of the guys from crew two really stepping up early on in this season. Well, that was always going to be the thing with Wilfried Nancy, right? I mean, he comes over from Montreal. He just got his, got his crack at, you know, the big club last year. Before that, he was coaching at the youth systems and at the youth levels. And now you're seeing a more added benefit of having those guys come up here. And we talk about this all the time. Like sometimes, you know, if you're young and inexperienced, like that can lead to great things because you're just kind of too dumb to understand the moment or you don't have that experience to rely on. It's like, yeah, I'm going to go out here and slide tackle this dude. And, you know, well, whatever position that you play, like, oh, this is fine. This is easy. I don't know any better. I don't have all those years of strife and like, oh, I did this in one game, you know, back five, six years ago. Don't do the same thing. Uh, and I think sometimes that can be a, a great benefit to a team, but you're obviously seeing him now with a great emphasis on the, on the kids. The kids are doing all right, which is fantastic to see. But it's really, I mean, it's it's bone. It's so different, and maybe this is why we're just enjoying it a little bit more than what it was for the last couple of years, where every game, ninety minutes, just just was a slog. It was a grind to get a point, get three points. Coming back late in games, like yeah, that's cool, like the high drama and everything, but it was exhausting. Yeah, and now like you're getting out to a lead, you're high flying. Seems to be everybody's having fun. Environment seems great over at the dot. Like I don't know, man. I didn't see it happening this early, but I'll take every ounce of it that I can get. Yeah, I mean, I I will still add the cautious voice to this: of Major League Soccer seasons are long, tedious, and many times frustrating. They take a lot of twists and turns. Supporter shield. Hey, man, let's go. Well, I, there's a team right now that's in the driver's seat for Supporter Shield that I don't really want to see in the driver's seat for Supporter Shield. No. And they're down 71 ways, so we don't need to talk much about that. But, yeah, look, I mean, the reality is you have a better test coming in this weekend mm-hmm. with New England. And as much as I'd like to say, hey, Atlanta's ahead of the crew in the standings, and they just got stomped by the crew. So that's clearly a sign that they're playing this they're playing good competition. Remember that was the Atlanta team that was without a lot of their big stars as were the crew mm-hmm. because of international call-ups. But my point being losing to Philadelphia and New York the way they did early in the season, those teams aren't exactly off to their best starts ever. I do think the quality is there especially for Philadelphia, but they're they're having trouble with their start. They did get a win over the crew though. It's hard to tell exactly what's real at this stage. What I think you can take from the crew that is definitely real is that they play well together. There is a much bigger joy with this team in playing in a system that the coaching staff believes in, the other players believe in. I don't think they're walking around on eggshells anymore. Wilfried Nancy is encouraging guys to step out and try and be different and go for the things that maybe they weren't allowed to do before. He is getting players to be more like themselves, which I think is 
a key thing for a coach at this level. You don't have to instruct guys and micromanage them. You have to get them to be their best, right. however that works. And some coaches do it by squeezing like a sponge to wring every little bit of yeah. talent out of you. And other coaches are like, you're a butterfly. Fly away. Yeah. I want to see what you be can light do. On Spread your, your wings. Right. Yeah. And so those are two very different approaches. But you're seeing it, I think, already start to pay off with Wilfried Nancy. I think it's fascinating, too, just kind of in the microcosm of sports, how often we get that pendulum swing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like from one side of the spectrum and then from in Caleb Porter and then all the way back to the other side of the spectrum with Wilfried Nancy. Like you always kind of go odd, even, odd, even. It's like when your favorite team hires an offensive coach and that is a disaster. And it's like, you know what? We're going to hire a guy that's defensive minded. Like there's just so many pendulum swings happen here. And again, with the caveat that it's very early on, I don't want to get ahead of myself. I do, but you are not allowing me to do so that everything seems to be going really well at the moment and I'm enjoying the hell out of it. Yeah. And, you know, I'll say this, too, because one thing that as we're talking about all the goals and how well this team has played in that regard, what has been an issue with the crew? What was the biggest issue last year? I mean, yeah, there were some scoring issues for sure, but giving up late leads and defensively just breaking down at poor, bad moments. You're already starting to see a vast improvement in that as well. Now, again, against inferior competition, you're not. Let's let's talk more with this weekend, this game you have against New England. That seems to be a pretty good side that's been good for a while in MLS and is good yet again. You play this type of game and you play them tough, even if, you know, you get a draw or whatever. I mean, I hope you don't lose at home, right? You need to protect home Not on field. 90s night. Not on 90s night, baby. Can't do it. I'm just saying, then I will feel a little bit more again. Like, I need to see the steps against some better competition. All right, let me ask you this question then. When will you, if this continues, if this if this run of form continues for the crew, when do you think that aha moment where you feel safe as a fan feeling confident? When do the playoffs start? <laughs> no, 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 no. I, here, I, I, let me be clear. At the start of the season, I was like, man, I hope this team can make the playoffs. Mm-hmm. They should have the talent to do it, but they didn't make a lot of additions. I hope they can keep up with the league. Oh, I'm already there now. Like- right. So now I'm to the point of like, this looks like a team that we should expect to make the playoffs, not like it's guaranteed, but we should be very frustrated if they don't like the expectations have already shifted for me in that way. If you get to June, let's say mid June, and this team is top four in the East Mm -hmm. and they're within a half a dozen points of the top spot in the league or something like that, then I start shifting expectations. And again, Goals are happening. Sure. Clean sheets are happening. Cucho comes back and he's playing and him and Zellerayan reconnect. And then now Matan is working with those two or however this all he's been works. Tremendous. Dude, hail Matan, man. My guy. Love that dude. But if that all starts to click, then I say, all right, we need to really look at what we're talking about for, you know, supporter shield and like expectations about, can this team win the whole thing? Even if you don't win the supporter shield, can you win MLS cup? Like, I, I think that's where I'll be June, July, if we get to this team is still playing this well. If there's a three or four week stretch where the league adjusts, as they always do, mm-hmm. they will start to figure some things out. Crew will have to then adjust again. But you are you are seeing some really good things from, you know, Mo Farsi. He's been tremendous. I mean, just unlocking that dude and getting him going when 
Guys like Caleb Porter just kind of like, we're like, well, I tried. I don't know what you want. It's I like, don't know you, what you barely gave these guys is. a chance. Yeah. And now look at what they're doing. They're just incredible. Also, so. too, uh, congrats to Aiden Morris contract extension yep. this week. Well deserved. Thanks Call him to the U.S. national team yeah. as well. Going to play in a friendly against Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. As uh, I know it's a friendly, but that's as it's testy never, as you're going to find. It's never a friendly. No. No. And Aiden Morris getting that chance is really cool. But yeah, I mean, Aiden Morris has been phenomenal for this team. Like he's phenomenal. Yeah, dude. He is, he's, Enjoy him while he's here. That that contract. That's what that contract is for. The contract extension was to say we want to make sure we're getting paid when yes. he goes on to Europe or yep. wherever he's going to go play next because he will play somewhere else. And that is no. That's what the crew system is designed to do. That's what the development structure of MLS is designed to do: is to get your homegrown players to then play well for you, contribute meaningfully, and then send them off to wherever their next destination is. Use that money to reinvest in the club. Make the club good again. I'm already Continue. looking forward to seeing Taha Habrun and what he is, where he is going to go in his European destination. Man, look at you. Just already calling out some names. Playing the good. GA Cup, the U17 uh, crew. He won MVP of the entire tournament. Did he really? They beat Manchester United. Oh, that was the tournament they beat oh, Manchester yeah. United in. Okay, yeah. I was going to ask you about that. Kids, How a you... Kids, a mon- Kids a monster. Dude, all right. <laughs> I love it, man. I love it. This is good. This is now for those of you who don't follow college sports. This is what it's like where you have the freshman coming in and it's like, Hey man, don't worry. Our quarterback sucks. You should see this dude. He was in high school. He threw for 8,000 yards. Fun. Tired. Jason Russell Rowe wired. <laughs> <Ta-ha-bru>. <laughs> That's what I mean. It's like Jason Russell Rowe. He's, we already, haven't even, he's we, on the team. Yeah, you know yeah, him. yeah. It's like, he's old news now, even though he's like still a very young and good player that we're excited about. Nope. Got to move on to the next guy. All right. We'll take a break. We'll come back this game against new England. Uh, it's nineties night at the LDC, at the dot. So we'll talk about New England. We'll talk about the 90s. I have a note from a listener I wanted to highlight real quick. Uh, And then we'll get into some other stuff about Major League Soccer, specifically Lionel Messi and what a bad idea Major League Soccer has about this. We'll get into it next. You're listening to Bone and Beam United. What a moment! Now back to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back. Uh, so we were talking about it being 90s night at uh, Cruz. At, oh, I almost said the wrong Whoa. name. That's oh, buddy. Money in the, in the fine jar. <laughs> at the LDC. But they used to play at historic Cruz Stadium. I remember when it was just Cruz Stadium. But that I was, remember when it was Mopfrey Stadium. That, and the scoreboard caught on That fire. was like, that's when they do uh, mid-2010s night. That's when that will be. <laughs> uh, but no, 90s night, It's it's we're going back to calling it crew stadium even though the crew are actually playing at the ldc uh i i found this roster this is a team that did not play at uh lower.com field or most of these guys did not play also uh at crew stadium this is when the crew initially started off playing at ohio stadium i have the roster from the first season of the columbus crew 1996 a little bit of a throwback for you beamer how are you feeling about that? You want to you want me to read off some of these names? Yeah. See if you recognize I know any? I know a few. I've well, let's, a few. Here I'll give you this. The team record was uh 11 and 12 that year. Now they also have a shootout record of 4 and 5 which means Now the that, shootout record hold on correct me if I'm wrong. But the shootout record, the shootouts back in the day were running start. Yeah, they were not like you see. No, it was you got to dribble in from, I want to say, midfield. And then you had to shoot it, I think. I forget where you had to shoot it from, but you couldn't just dribble in and run to the keeper, I don't believe. But, yeah, it was, I mean, but the keeper could come out. It was a whole, you you could get off his line. It was a whole thing. It was 
very bizarre. They also had a shot clock that, like, for this, you couldn't just <laughs> dribble around for 20 seconds. You had to do it within a certain amount of time. Of course. Anyway, yeah, so very bizarre times for Major League Soccer. They they have had some poor ideas, and we'll discuss one of the ones they have now that's very stupid. Um, anyway, they had 37 points. I have no idea what that means in context of, like, current point structure for Major League Soccer, but whatever. They finished fourth in the Eastern Conference. They were one and two in the postseason, which I believe was a – they won their first – I guess they would. They lost in the conference semifinal yeah. that year. Um, that's what we're getting back again this year. So yeah, that's right. Because they're series now. In the that's playoffs. right. Yes. Uh, Timo Lukowski was the first coach of the crew. He went four and eleven, and then a guy named Tom Fitzgerald that's took my over. Guy. Yeah, Fitz was uh, no longer with us, sadly, but Fitz was an excellent coach for the early uh, Columbus crew. He went seven and one at that end of that inaugural season and kind of righted the ship. Uh, the crew had three hundred thousand. 303,202 people total attend their games in 16 games, averaged 18,950 in that inaugural season. That's and awesome. you know what? They're probably going to average something close to that this year. Yeah. I know they did last year. So, yeah, good to see that uh, the crew are still strong in that regard. But they had uh, some some notable names you might know, some you might not. Brian McBride scored 17 goals for that crew team that year. Pete Marino, sneaky Pete Marino, baby. That dude was a legend. Adrian Paz and Brian Mazinoff each had five or more goals. Robert Varziha recorded 11 assists, the Polish rifle, as he was known. Of course. And uh, the squad leader with eight wins as a goalie was Brad Friedel. And you might be saying, not that Brad Friedel. Oh, yes, that Brad Friedel. Same Brad Friedel. That's where he started. Not my guy, Brad Friedel. That, this, <laughs> not your guy? No. Why not? Well, wouldn't you like to know? Wouldn't I like to know? Do you have something against guys who are bald? Nah. Okay, that's good. Something with him coaching and doing stuff. And it's was that uh, New England? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Oh yeah. We'll talk. Yeah. New England's coming in this week. <laughs> Brad Friedel at one point said he wished his players would get car bombed or something before their games. I don't know what <laughs> it is. If very you're wondering weird. yourself and you're listening to this on the radio, like, what are you guys talking about? Go listen to you the have podcast. To listen to the pod. Yeah. Beamer has never liked Brad Friedel. No. Not since like three or four years ago when yeah. he was coaching the when Revs. I, yes. <laughs> when you yelled at him at historic crew stadium yeah. way back in the day. <laughs> um, but also uh, Brad Friedel, 0.52 goals against average. Not bad. I'll take that. It's good. Anyway, here are some names from the team that you should know, right? Brian McBride, I already said. Brad Friedel, I already said. How about Dr. Kamalo? This dude was a sensation when he first came here, mostly because his name was Doctor, and mm-hmm. we were all not aware of that. But he was from Dubai, South Africa. Uh, he was – so this was 1996. When he joined the team, he was 31 years old. Okay. He had a couple old dudes on this team back then. Um, but another guy that I wanted to point out was Janusz Michalik, who – played for the crew from Poland, his son, Jordi Mahalik, you may know. He's a US, I was like, Mahalik, that yeah, sounds, sounds familiar. Played for the fire. I'm not sure if he's still with the fire. I can't remember. I sadly should know this, but I don't. But anyway, Jordi Mahalik is his son, and he is a good soccer player who's been in the U.S. You know, system and that kind of thing. So, yeah, like they're, they're, the crew have some history with guys that, even though you may not know some of these names, you may have seen some of the other things that have come since then. Uh, so... Todd Yagley, who's been a big fixture at Indiana soccer. His dad was a big fixture at, at Bloomington as well as a coach there. He played on this team. Uh, Dante Washington, who is still involved with the crew yeah. to this day and one of the all-time greatest humans you'll ever meet. Dante was on this team and was a legend, and we loved him and still do. But he played for the crew for a little bit this inaugural season. I believe was traded away 
and then came back in like 99 or 2000 or somewhere around there, but had a few years elsewhere in MLS and then came back multiple different times with the crew. But that was way before my crew fans. Yeah, yeah, it's okay. Well, it's way before a lot of crew fans. However, that's why I wanted to bring this up. Jim Dietrich, who listens to our show, and I appreciate you, Jim, sent me a note uh, from a few weeks ago, and I just got it this week because I was out on vacation. Yeah, again, AI-generated T-Bone. AI-generated T-Bone here, that's right. Um, He said, I I grew up listening to the radio. I listen to that over any other entertainment source. I enjoy your show. I listen to the podcast with you and Beam. Appreciate your soccer focus. I played on a local club team for almost 25 years and would like to share with you how influential the local amateur soccer scene was on landing one of the original 10 MLS clubs that went on to build the first soccer-specific stadium in the country. The local adult leagues truly were the first main fan base for the crew. You can't imagine how excited we were to finally have professional soccer here in Columbus. I'll never forget Brian McBride's shoulder-high hitch-kick volley from the 18 in the inaugural game at the Shoe, which if if you've not seen that, look up the, the video of Brian McBride's goal from the first game. It is truly a stunning, stunning goal. Um, He said, while that stadium sucked for soccer, the best thing was everyone, including many of the team, (laughs) went on to the varsity club for beers after the game. That's great. You could go party at the VC with the crew players back in the day. It's like a rugby match. That's what they do. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, And also, I like the fact that he's like, yeah, that stadium sucked for soccer. Oh, you mean the Ohio State University's Ohio Stadium, one of the most legendary? (laughs) That's great, though. Um, He said, at one point after Brad Friedel joined the team in the second year, which I I think he was there the first year, but yeah, right. In the second year, he said he showed up at the varsity club in the most wrinkled dress shirt anyone had ever seen. His teammates were unrelenting, trash-talking at the look. Of course, that was before he adopted an English accent, watched him on a Liverpool telecast uh, yelling a cockney away to his defense, (laughs) WTF. Anyway, I digress. And then he sent me a T-shirt of his supporters group that they had back in the day. Uh, And so I really appreciated that. That was very nice. And he also sent me a, an inaugural ticket, which you're looking at, Beamer. That, that yeah, I'm ticket holding is it in my hands. It's very nice foil on that for the inaugural game. It really it's cool very thing. awesome. It's it will lead me down to a, another rabbit hole, and I know we're up against the clock right now, but it's really a shame to me that we don't have actual ticket stubs anymore. I'm with you, dude. Like my wife and I, we've got one of these boards, like of all the cool things that we've gotten to do, and like you know, I went to a Chelsea game a few years ago, like got the ticket from Stamford Bridge, and like. The whole thing, and like it really bums me out. Like it's nice to have your phone and just get scanned in, but the fact that we don't have, you know, actual tickets anymore is a bummer. Like I feel like I'm holding, I'm holding a piece of history. You are, yeah. It's a cool thing, and it's I always appreciate when people. I've I've had a few people send me a, a ticket stub from that, and I really appreciate that. And it's cool to see that people hang on to that because it is history. And at some point, uh, that that is a memory that that I appreciate, you appreciate, and it's very cool to see. So '90s night at the crew at the LDC tonight or Saturday night, depending on when you're listening. Hopefully you will enjoy that game, and hopefully that little trip down memory lane was good for those of you who are not able to attend or just want to know a little bit more about the crew from the 90s. All right, we will come back, talk about Major League Soccer, talk about the Premier League, Lionel Messi, all that and more. It is Bone and Beam United. It defies description. Now back to Bone and Beam United. Welcome back to Bone and Beam United. Of course, if you're listening to this on the radio, thank you for checking us out on the fan. You can also find the podcast version of this every week. I know regardless of when you want to listen to it, it'll be there for you. Wherever you get podcasts, just search Bone and Beam United. You can also follow us on Twitter at Bone Beam United. So we've talked a lot of crew. They are playing New England this weekend. Tough test for the crew. New England is a team that likes to let teams have possession and 
The crew obviously enjoy possession. Okay, great. The, the season-long percentages for both teams, the crew are fourth in the league with 56% possession through the first seven weeks of the season. The Revs, 49.3% possession. However, they beat Montreal last week, did New England, 4 nothing, and they had the ball for like 60% of the time. So right. they're, they're not necessarily locked in on one style of play. They can adapt as needed. Be curious to see how that chess match works out uh, in this game this weekend, but... This will be a tough test for the crew, so hopefully they're up for it. I'm looking forward to watching it. High flying. High flying, baby. This crew team. And uh, Steve Serkis pointed this out, the legendary crew historian. And perhaps he should just be called the crew historian because yeah. he is, to me, the the reputable source. As many as there is other ones that do it. Uh, the crew have a – they've won the three in a row by a combined score of 12 to 1. According to Steve Serk. That is the fourth time in franchise history the crew has won three consecutive games by multiple goals, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. But it's the first time since 1998. Wow. So this is really a throwback crew team. Literally 25 years. <laughs> this is a throwback crew team that you are seeing right now. So that's very cool, and I'm excited about that. And so- I'm sure, and I don't have the actual number, but... I'm almost positive that it's the first time they've ever put up 12 goals in three games. Uh, it's definitely the first time they've scored. Yeah, well, what is it? They've put up 17 and 7. Yeah. And it's like, I think, the first time in club history they've ever done that. So, so I'm guessing 12 and 3. 12 and 3 has probably yeah, never probably. happened before either. 12 goals in three games. Ridiculous. You know what? If it evens out a little bit to just like a two-a-game clip from sure. here on out, I'd be all right yeah. with that. That'd be fine. <laughs> you score two goals a game in MLS, you're going to win quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, all right, so speaking of Major League Soccer, a look around the league here. Lionel Messi is, of course, a target for Major League Soccer. His contract expires at the end of this year. He wants to come to MLS. He is expected to leave PSG at the end of this summer, and we'll see if that this can happen, right? He wants to come play for Miami. success over at PSG. <laughs> yeah, right. The 35-year-old World Cup winner now uh, is – Trying to figure Much out to what to do chagrin. next. Yeah, I know, buddy. I'm sorry. You are all about France. You are Mr. France. Yes, on that's, this, that's, that's what right. we call you. Me and Wolfrey Nancy, very tight. Yeah, you guys are both extremely French. Um, so in either case, MLS is trying to figure out how do they pay this guy because <laughs> his current salary uh, is nine more than nine hundred thousand pounds per week. So mm. more than a million dollars a week. Yeah, about fifty mil a year. Good Did Lord. you see what he was offered by, I don't know the team, but it's the same league. It's a Saudi pro league in which Cristiano Ronaldo oh, is playing okay. for. okay, yeah, sure. So they have offered him uh, around $400 million a year Good uh, to come play for Good them. Lord. Which, if you want to take that money, go for it. I mean, here's the thing. Major League Soccer has this deal with Apple TV+. Plus. Mm-hmm. They, sub- Which I am very much enjoying. Yeah, I've really enjoyed the product. I don't know how Apple TV is enjoying it because yeah. I'm not sure if they're getting the what they wanted out of it so far. We'll find out. Um, but this deal is worth $2.5 billion Ooh. for the next decade, so $250 million a year, roughly. They are trying to figure out how to make this worthwhile to Apple TV, of course. And, I mean, they want to say, oh, our league is worth it. But Lionel Messi coming in and being on TV every week in the U.S. is going to be a huge deal. So... The proposal that has been floated, according to some reports, this is from Alan Smith, I think in the Daily Mirror over in England. So take this for a grain of salt. Take it with a grain of salt. There is a plan to possibly have all MLS teams share in the money that it's going to take to pay Lionel Messi because Miami, which is where he would be playing, David Beckham's club, they wouldn't be able to foot the bill for all this. 
or they don't want to. Here's my thing. Maybe you shouldn't foot the bill for something you can't afford. No kidding, right? Could you could you Barcelona? Im- could you imagine <clears throat> if someone was like, I'm gonna get a new patio put in into my backyard, but that in a pool. I can't afford it, so I want all my neighbors on the street to pay for that. But when my house sells, it will raise the value of everyone else's house. Mm-hmm. And occasionally you guys will, like once a year, I'll let you have a pool party at my house. Would you be willing to pay for someone Except else's pool? Except you can come to my house but not get into the pool, but watch me get into the pool. Well, yeah, I mean, I'm just saying, like, I, I know what MLS's argument is to the owners. is like, sure. well, hey, hold, hold on, guys. You will get to have a Lionel Messi game at your stadium, in theory. Never mind if he gets hurt or, or decides called, he doesn't want to play on turf. Decides he doesn't want to play on turf or whatever is happening. I mean, there is a Says, chance. I'm not playing today. Yeah, I'm not playing. I don't feel like it. I got a knock. I Something's weird. That happens all the time. If you are a longtime MLS fan, you might remember that David Beckham famously, he played against the crew in Crew Stadium mm-hmm. back when it was historic Crew Stadium one time. Yeah. Even though he was with the Galaxy for quite a few years and they played at Crew Stadium, almost every year he came here, he was either injured. That was or, his first year, too. Yeah, his first year yeah. he did the thing where he played in, I mean, he played in a lot of games and Robbie Rogers bossed him, I remember, multiple times in that game and showed him what's up. But anyway, the point is that you don't necessarily get millions of dollars in return on that as a team. Yeah, the league will benefit, everybody's revenue sharing, all that stuff. But the reality here is, Paying for Lionel Messi directly benefits the teams you're competing against on the field. So MLS needs to decide, and these owners need to decide, is this a soccer league or a boardroom league? Are you a financial league or a league where you care about results on the field? Because if I'm owning an MLS team, I want to win games. I want to win. I want to make money too, but I presumably have money. That's why I invested in MLS. I want to win games on the field. I'm not going to pay for someone else to have a guy that might be able to beat me on the... I'm not going to pay for any of your guys. I'm not doing that. That's exactly my point of this whole thing. And by the way, like, to get him in this contract, like, if the Saudi if the Saudi league deal is real, like, they're going to significantly overpay for his services. Absolutely. And I guess you're... I mean, you're worth what someone is willing to pay you. So, I don't know. What do you think you would be making to come here to MLS instead of going back to Barcelona? Let's call it ballpark at 100 mil, maybe? Yeah. Uh, whatever that is. So, you have X amount of teams paying X amount of dollars. Like, it's not going to be a cheap... It's not going to be a cheap bill to foot, and for some clubs, it's probably a record fee that they're paying a player, even though in the meantime, that player is theoretically playing against them. <laughs> to me, yes. it just I'm not in the business of paying somebody else for their services when it's directly going against the best interest of mine. I understand. I when, get it. I, yes, I, I understand I, yes, the, I the idea. I do. I get it. You know what else I understand, though? You know, like in the NBA, there's been this thing about star players sitting out games, yeah. rest days, all that, right? When do the star players usually do that? Usually on the back-to-back on away trips. Mm-hmm. So you will get people who will say, LeBron James is sitting out, or Steph Curry is sitting out, or whoever's sitting out. They're, that's not fair. I live in Memphis. This is the only time I'm going to get to see LeBron or Steph or whoever, and we bought all his tickets, and mm-hmm. then he's just going to sit on the bench? That sucks. I understand that argument. I understand why people complain about that. But my view on that has always been, if you're a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies or you're a fan of the whoever this team is that's the away team is playing. Be a fan of the Memphis Grizzlies. <laughs> wouldn't you be a fan of the team that you're going to see? Like, yeah, I get it. You want to see LeBron go up against your stars. You want to, you know, wouldn't you rather see a team not have the star? With Lionel Messi coming to MLS, 
you're going to basically be saying every owner will be rooting for Lionel yeah. Messi to play against your team because that means a better, supposedly better gate for you, more ticket sales. You might be able to, I'm sure they'll sell his jersey in the team shops, even though he doesn't play for your team. I'm sure they'll sell it. And it's just stupid to me. At some point, do we actually want to be a real soccer league, Don Garber? No. Do you? Don Garber said this. he wants his team, this league to be a top five league by like the next World Cup. You don't do that by the whole league going, pretty please, can we have old and busted Lionel Messi, please? Right. No. Like, if the, if Miami makes it happen, good for them. If not, well, sucks to be you. Maybe don't plan on guys who are 35 years old and cost a million dollars a week. <laughs> Maybe not do that. We'll take a break. We'll come back. I'll calm down. And I will tell you why Arsenal should be concerned and why N'Golo Conte has one of the craziest stats I've ever heard about any soccer player. We'll share both of those things. What? Something like that. We'll share that with you next. It's Bone and Beam United. I'll just say the most insane goal I have ever seen. Now back up Bone and Beam United. You can find Bone and Beam United wherever you get your soccer podcast, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. It's all there. Beamer, you brought this up to me and it's spot on. Manchester City, good. I, no one had said that before you said it. I'm no. glad you brought it up. But Freaking no. news. Uh, but Arsenal have been the story of the Premier League so far this year. However, they are still ahead. They are still leading. They have a decent lead in the Premier League. But do you feel good about yeah. it? <laughs> I'm saying if I'm an Arsenal fan and the years you've been through here recently, mm-hmm. and now you've had this great season, and now we're getting to crunch time, and you see Manchester City just bowing up, starting to look like a behemoth once again, I don't feel good at all if I'm an Arsenal fan. All right, Arsenal, number one in the Premier League. And, by the, I mean, they've been playing tremendous all season long, and we've been talking about them since the turn of the new year. Like, they looked like they were going to maybe run away with it a little bit, and City was sliding down the table. It's like, if Arsenal just keep on winning and racking and stacking, like, okay, you're going to be maybe through. Like, but when is... When is the fall going to happen? Because it's at some point you're going to falter and City's going to come up and jostle on you. And remember, like, right after the World Cup restart, Arsenal was like, boom, lost, boom, lost, true, boom, draw. It's like, uh, here it is. Like, yeah. it's And then they kind of staved City off for a little bit. But right now, as it stands in the Premier League, 30 matches played for Arsenal, 73 points. All right? Good, yeah. good. Still yeah. in first place. Very yeah. good. Yeah. City, 29 matches played, 67 points. Now, City played Leicester. Coming up here on Saturday. Well, I guess this game would have already happened, but regardless. Right. Uh, they, if they win this and do their thing at home at the Etihad, they're three points back with eight games to play. That would terrify me oh. if I'm an Arsenal fan. Oh, yeah. Just yeah. horrify. I mean, yeah. I would horrify me. Yeah, this is going to be a really long month and a half for Arsenal fans, I would think, just because it it is nervous, man. You you see what Manchester City's doing. You see what they just did in the Champions League? To Bayern Munich, yeah. who not then apparently a slouch. had a dust up and Sadio Mane punched Leroy Sané in the face. That is a little Mane Sané action is a never. Mane Sané it's tussle. Not, it's not what you want if you're Bayern Munich and now you're down three nothing. Julian Nagelsmann would have had that thing under control. Oh yeah, I forgot he's gone. Right, I forgot. Good job, about... Tukes. <laughs> yeah, Thomas Tuchel's back, baby, <laughs> and not looking great. Not not got the start out, he wanted. Got knocked out of the, the one of their league cups, lost their league game, and then get your asses kicked by City. Not a great start. <laughs> <laughs> not great, Bob. Gonna have to say it's not great there uh, for old Tukes. The big thing for Arsenal, Wednesday, April twenty sixth, they get City at the Etihad. Like, yeah. So. For all intents and purposes, like that could 
be for the title. As, I mean, it's it's a monster game. What date is that again? It is Wednesday, April 26th. Oh, okay. Then you got a home game against Chelsea. Call off work. Then you got to go on the road against Newcastle. <laughs> that three-pack of games. Although we'll, know, I, we'll know at the end of those three games well, who's going to win the title. Two and a half back. Chelsea. Eh. Yeah, that's true. Eh, never mind. Chelsea's kind of weird. Which, by the way, that's one of the stats that I have. The stat of the day brought to you by no one uh, is <laughs> N'Golo Conte. Who has been injured this year and has not played a ton of games. And I love him so much. He is, he is, yes. I mean, one of the greatest players in soccer at and at when healthy, and one of the best midfielders we've ever seen, right? In all of soccer history. I Do think you know 70% of the world was covered by water, and the other 30% is covered by Angola Conte. That's exactly right. It's a guy, <laughs> I love that stat. I love things like that. Those are good. Uh so N'Golo Conte, when he plays in his next game, presuming it's this year, uh, Chelsea have been through now. They're they're on their fourth manager of the yeah. season. If you've not paid attention to that, eight hundred million spend since last July. Yeah. So Golo Conte will be making his fourth appearance. Hopefully, I mean, it may like you said, we're recording this. It's a podcast. It's also on the radio. If you're listening to it on the radio, this game already happened. He may have played in it. We don't know. But if he did, Golo Conte has played in three games so far. This would be his fourth if he plays this weekend. Played for Thomas Tuchel one game. Earlier this season, Tuchel, obviously, like we said, is now with Bayern Munich. That's how much of the tumult has been. Uh, Graham Potter came in. He played in a game for Graham Potter. Uh, then he played in a he, game who for... Who also got fired. Who's also been fired. Then there was caretaker manager number one, Bruno Saltor. We don't talk about Bruno, but N'Golo Conte played for him in one game. And then now his fourth appearance... Famous Frankie. Would be for, yes, the legend, Frank Lampard, who is now the new caretaker manager After of After being Chelsea. fired a couple of years ago. Yes. From Chelsea as the permanent manager. Yes, but he's not the permanent manager. He's just a caretaker. He's just being brought sure. in like a mascot. That's sure. how this, this is how Yeah, works. of course. Frank, right. you were going to be good enough to get the job permanently. Then you suck so bad we had to fire you. Haven't found a permanent manager since you. Now you're back as the caretaker. Yeah. Are you telling me American ownership might be looking at Frank Lampard and going, he didn't work before, but that's because I wasn't here. Yes. Now, now that Todd Everything Bowley's is going there, so great. Yeah, I'll get it fixed. Mm. I got it sorted out. Anyway, uh, I just find that fascinating that a guy could be making four appearances and then play for four managers. Wild. Yikes. Right? I mean, there's, he's not the only. On show. Yikes. Yeah, there's plenty of guys in this team that are going to play for four <laughs> managers this year, right? It's the fact that. One of them will have played in only four games and do that is pretty significant. So, yeah. Do you have thoughts on uh, how you see that title race shaking out? Do you think Arsenal eventually? I know we've still, we're going to do this like 15 other times between uh-huh. now and then, but your gut right now says Manchester City title wave does get it. Yeah. They've ride, they ride the momentum and they get it done. Yeah. Uh, you look at what City did to Bayern this past week in Champions <sighs> League. And I mean, literally causing infighting in the team. Like that's what they did to a team in Bayern Munich that let's, if you've not followed it in Champions League prior to all of, yes, the last month and a half or so have not been great for them. Erling Holland is looking like a Norwegian cyborg again. So 45 goals yeah, in all it's, competitions. It's ridiculous. The first Premier League player, I want to say ever, yep. that has scored 45 goals in all competitions. It's his first year in the Premier League. <sighs> He's like 22 years old. <sighs> Buddy. They, dude, I'll tell you this. It, you know what? If Arsenal complete, if they get the title... It would be great for you. You know what? If Arsenal, I'm polling for it. If Arsenal win this title, honestly, I don't know. It's not, it's not this impressive, but it will be up there with the unbeatables. Like, you know, like statistically, they are a better side 
The, I mean, I mean, you know, they're what I not. Mean. They're, they're not. Thierry Henry doesn't yes. play for this. Like, I, I know what you're saying, but yes. yes. But like, but <laughs> also, my point is, from a romantic standpoint, I don't think Arsenal fans would look at this in any way like they would that team. No, right? God, no. But but from a what it takes to get it done when Manchester City has this juggernaut, you have your own juggernaut that you're building, and they've but, been what they've been for the past decade. Yeah, like I'm saying, for for that Arsenal team to ascend this quickly and get to this point in just a few years. Tell Arsenal fans that it happened this quickly. Well, <laughs> they've been abysmal for a while for their standards. I'm saying you finally got it right with Michael Arteta, and now yeah. to be in this spot is is fairly significant. Stinks he got knocked out of Europa League, nerds. <laughs> you know who says that? A nerd. <laughs> a nerd says, oh, yeah, but what about Europa League? As you're, like, trying to win the Champions League. I couldn't even say that with a straight face. I can't even say that with a straight face. As you're trying to win the Premier League, it's like, what about Europa League, though? <laughs> Shut up, nerd. They might be the only thing that could stop Erling Holland. Let's let this happen. All right. That's it for us. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed some of this, uh, I'm sorry if you haven't. But either way, you can find us wherever you get podcasts or on Twitter at Bone Beam United. We will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening.